You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Hey, would you be comfortable bowing your head, closing your eyes, and repeating, repeating a prayer after me? You okay with this? So let's close our, head, our eyes, bow our heads together. Uh, Father, you can pray it with confidence. Father, I open my mind. I open my heart to what you would say to me today. Amen. Amen. You might have to talk to me a little bit this morning, okay? Um, It seems like we're a little quieter than normal, and so uh, just feel free to be yourself. So the truth is, Clemson did have their way with Alabama. Uh, A score of 44 to 16. And uh, the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, for Clemson, threw for 347 yards, brought a picture of him with me this morning. And, uh, boy, he, he is built, and, and he was created to be like an athlete. Do you see, like, okay, if I just stand like this, do you see a striking resemblance? I didn't think so. Didn't hear anything about him for the Heisman. He didn't play the whole season, but next year probably he will be contending. And... Uh, Something that I love about him is what he said after the game. And here's what he said when reporters got to him, okay? Football's important to me, but it's not my life. You want to say, wait a minute, what are you talking about, man? Football is your ticket. Oh, no, he says, uh, it's not the biggest thing in my life. And then he says, I would say my faith is. So we entered into this conversation last week about What's the most important thing in your life? What's number one? What do you say yes to every time? And we said, you know, that's God, right? And then after God, others are second, and then God takes care of me. Remember that conversation? So, so Trevor Lawrence says, listen, if you want to know what number one, the biggest thing, the most important thing in my life is, it's not football. My faith is the most important thing in my life. It's God. So Trevor would say, I am a citizen of another kingdom. And the kingdom that I'm a citizen of is the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we value things very differently than the world does, all right? In the kingdom of God, football is not king. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is king. And so I would say, football is important to me, but it's not the biggest thing in my life. No, that's my faith, because God is number one. So, we've been looking at the life of Abraham. And with Abraham... It's really clear as we study these passages. He's got an order, a priority in which he lives his life. And here it is. He says, you know what? God's first. God is number one in my life. Number two, that's not me. No, that's others. We're going to talk about that aspect of it more today. We say, Abraham, if God is first and others are second, then what about you? And Abraham says, God takes care of me. (laughs) The God who created everything. The God who owns everything. The God who knows everything. God takes care of me. My life is in the palms of His hands. Therefore, I put God first. I put other seconds because God is taking incredible care of me. So what if that's the way all of our lives looked? You want to grab a Bible and open it to the book of Genesis chapter 13, okay? Chapter 13, and I'm going to start reading with verse 1. 
And we're going to focus today on this idea of how after we put God first, we're able to put others second. So here's the way the story unfolds. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife. Her name was Sarai. And Lot, we learned last week, that's his nephew and all that they owned. Now what we know by that is that they owned lots of livestock. They had lots of people traveling with them. So it's a caravan, okay? Parentheses. The writer just lets you know Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So from the Negev, they continued traveling by stages. Now they're living in tents. They might travel a few days, set up their tents, stay a few days, take them down, travel again. They traveled toward Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and, how would you pronounce the name of a city that is spelled A-I? A-I is correct, okay, Bethel and A-I, where they had camped before. Now, this was the same place where Abram had built the altar. And there he worshipped the Lord again. Now, Abraham had this deal where everywhere he goes, he builds an altar and he worships God and he seeks God's face. So Lot, the nephew, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy. Flocks of sheep, goats, herds of cattle, many tents. But there's a problem. And the problem is, the land cannot really support all of Abram's livestock and all of Lot's livestock. All right? So that's, that's the problem. So, disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. Now, at that time, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, were also living in the land. So finally, Abram says to Lot, Hey, Lot, come on, buddy, look at us. We're family. We love each other. We don't have to let this become a big deal. Let's work through this like family should work through it together. So let's not allow this conflict to become between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice. Any section of the land you want. And you and I will just separate. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land to the right, then I will go to the left. You see what he's doing? He's saying, Lot, God's first in my life. You know what? Let's make you second. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think I might need. Let's just take a minute and focus on you. I want you to choose. Whatever you choose, I'll be happy with what's left over. Because God's going to take care of me anyway. And so Lot took a long time. A long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered. Everywhere, like the garden of the Lord of the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot says, okay, do I want the fertile plains in the valley of Jordan with all the streams and all the water and all the life? Or do I want to be up here in the mountains with the sticks and the rocks? And so Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. And so he went there with his flocks and his servants, parted company with his 
And he parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities there on the plain. And here's a side note before we move to the next section next week. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. So this is God's word for us today. Hey, my wife is sitting here. Her name is Annette. And I have two daughters. Uh, Brittany is now 30 years old. Woke up this morning to a text from Brittany. She says, Dad, look at this picture. We got 10 inches of snow last night. And so there's just like piles of snow all over Cincinnati, Ohio. Brittany's 30 years old now. And I have a younger daughter who is 25 years old. Her name is Morgan. We're nuts about our girls like most parents are. One of the things that I noticed about our girls when they were really young, like toddlers growing up, we never had to teach them things like this. I never had to sit down and say, come here, Britt. Come here, Morgan. Listen to Daddy, okay? Here's what I want you to do. When you are playing with a toy... And one of your friends comes over to play and they want, to, they want your toy. What you do is you just pull your toy close to yourself and say, no, this is mine. See, I never had to teach my girls to do that. It's like it just came natural for them, right? I, I never had to say to them, now, if you're eating something really tasty and daddy says, can I have a bite? You say, no. Never had to teach my girls that. It just came natural for them. They were awesome at it. Never had to say to my girls, now when you go to kindergarten and the teacher says line up, what you do is you run to the front of the line and push all the other kids out of the way and say, I'm first. Never had to teach my girls to do that. It just came natural for them. The greatest temptation that you and I will ever face is to make our own list. And when we make our list, we want to start it by saying, me first. That's the greatest temptation we face. God first, others first. No, the greatest temptation we face is to say, but what about me? I mean, could we just talk about me for a minute? Could we just focus on what I want, what I need? Could we just take some time here to think about me? So when Jesus talks, he talks about the kingdom of God. And he says, in the kingdom of God, it's not like that at all. It's really different. In fact, this is his language. Don't worry, saying, what am I going to eat? Or what are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? No, he says, start your list and make the first thing the kingdom of God. So when you make your list and you say what's really important, what's number one in my life, you say, well, that's God. His righteousness. And then all of these things are going to be added to you. Go back to that list of priorities. It's God first, His kingdom, His righteousness. Kingdom value says, then I put others second. And God says, all of these other things, I'm going to take care of. I've got you in the palm of my hands. You remember the story of James and John? Hey, Jesus, can we talk to you, man? Sure, James. Hey, John. 
What do you guys need? Uh, we just had a question. Oh, fire. What is it? Well, we were wondering, when you come into your kingdom, could maybe uh, one of us sit at your right and the other sit at your left? And so if you move that to modern-day politics in America today, hey, Jesus, when you become the president, could maybe I be your vice president and my brother be your speaker of the house? And that way, when you do the State of the Union on television, it'll be like you're in the middle and then we're on your right and left. We would love that. And Jesus says, guys, that's not the way we do it in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, not only is football not king, but you're not king. Jesus is king. See? It's, it's God first. It's others second. And then God's going to take care of me. I, I've learned something over the years, and that is this. It's people who put themselves first are not fulfilled people. People who say, bag that idea, I'm going to watch out for me. No, I don't think so. I'm going to take care of me. This, this God first, other second stuff is not the way I roll. It's about me. The problem is people who put themselves first are not fulfilled people. They just aren't. It's when people say, no, God first, others second. God's, God's got me. He'll take great care of me. I read a story this week about a professor at a university who, when he was 60 years old, had a heart attack. A bad one. They rushed him to the hospital. They do surgery. They save his life. But in the midst of him being in the hospital, they also discovered that he has advanced cancer. He had no clue. So now not only has he had a heart attack, but now he's got advanced cancer. And he goes through months and months of chemotherapy and recovery, and he beats the cancer. Two years later, he has a stroke. He has to learn to speak again, one word at a time, like he did when he was a little child. But his words are worth sharing, okay? Here's what he says. The more I focused on the problems in my life, the more miserable I was. And then, somehow, I realized focusing on myself and my problems wasn't making me any happier. And I started to say, okay, every day of my life, I needed to find somebody else who I could help to become a better person. And once I started to reorient my life to this direction, then my happiness returned. So I don't even know if this guy was a Christian or not. He just understood by experience that people who focus on themselves are not fulfilled people. 
And so, you got this story of Abraham, who could have said, when God said, Abram, I want you to pack up and leave your country, your father's household. Go to the land, I'll show you. He could have said, yeah, I'm not going. I like my house. I like my land. I like my relatives, at least some of them. And I don't want to leave. But that wasn't his response. His response to God was always yes. Abram, where are you going? I have no clue. He said he would tell me. But because he asked me to go, the answer is yes. Because God's first. And then he gets into this situation with his nephew Lot. They both become very wealthy in livestock. And the land can't support them both. What are we going to do? It would be easy for Abe to say, I'm the uncle. I'm the patriarch. I'm the older guy in the family. I'll take the fertile valley. You stay up here in the rocks and the mountains and the sticks. But he says, no, no, no. That's not the way we roll. Lot, you choose. And I'll be fine with whatever's left. You take whatever you need, I'll live on the leftovers. And he puts others second. You understand that as I open the Bible and I try to work my way through it, it is the message that I hear over and over and over and over and over again. For example, in the book of 1 Corinthians, don't be concerned for your own good, the Bible tells us, but for the good of others. Is that hard to hear? Look at the next verse. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And then listen to the words of Jesus when he responds to James and John when they say, hey, we want to be your vice president and your speaker of the house. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For Jesus, thinking of himself, the Son of Man. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So this is the way Jesus lived. Jesus says, here's how we're going to do this thing, okay? He's in the garden. He's going to be crucified. He's dreaded like crazy. He's crying. He's praying. He's sweating. And then he says, it's not about what I want. God, it's about what you want. So God's first. I'm going to say yes to God. And then he says, I will give my life as a ransom for many. Then it's about others. It's God first and then others. See, I think it's like this. You got, you got this vertical relationship, right? My relationship with God. And then I've got these horizontal relationships. My relationships with people like you guys. But it's not until I get this relationship right that these relationships really function right. Because until I come to the point that I love God most and God is first, then I am tempted to love me supremely. And if I love me supremely then my relationship with you is not in a good place because I'm always first. If I love me most, then my relationship with you is in a tough place because I'm putting myself way ahead of you. 
So let me, let, me, let me illustrate, okay? You saw Pastor Thaddeus a moment ago baptizing, right? And so I remember um, just over a year ago, uh, Pastor Thaddeus had a lady who was attending his church, and, and her name was Drew. Two Lakes is a sister church of ours. We feel like in some ways we're, we're very closely connected. And I remember when Thaddeus was praying about whether or not he should plant this church. And when he was sure God was asking him to do it, Thaddeus said, yes. Because it's always God first. And so this, this lady was attending and, and she said to Thaddeus and to Laureen, I'm, I'm very sick. In fact, the doctors tell me that unless God does something amazing, some miracle, I'm, I'm going to die. But she had a little girl, 11 years old. Her name is Kendall. In November, just over a year ago, I was with Thaddeus and Maureen. We were out of town together, and they get a call that Drew is very near death. They get in their car and they head back to Oklahoma City. A few days later, Drew died. But before she died, she said to Thaddeus and Laureen, I want you to raise Kendall. Now, I got to tell you that Thaddeus and Laureen had just married off Chris Stan. Their, their, their nest was empty. No more kids at home. And I remember praying with them. I remember talking to them. I remember talking about, you know, this is a big deal to, to raise another child. And I remember the day Laureen Black said to me, Hey, Pastor Rick, if God wants us to raise Kendall, then we will raise Kendall. And let me tell you that just a few months ago, and Kendall has lived with Thaddeus and Laureen over this past year. Thaddeus and Laureen were awarded guardianship of Kendall. It's awesome. I wanted you to see a picture of Kendall and Thaddeus and Laureen. Annette and I love Kendall. We get to see her almost every day because Thaddeus' office is near mine and she comes often after school. But Kendall is happy. And she is thankful. And she loves her home. You see, you see, here's the temptation. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Our, our nest is empty. And they said, oh, no, that's not how we think. Mm -mm. No, we've got this order that we think in, okay? And, and the order is God first. If God says, then the answer is yes. And, and then it's not about us. This is about Kendall. Kendall needs a home. And, and God, God will take care of me and, and Thaddeus, Lorraine says. You say, how do, how do you get there? Because is anybody else in the room just kind of struggling, saying, yeah, I'd love to live there, but like how do you get there, right? I, I think the answer might be up in verse 4 where that, 
We talked about him going between Bethel and Ai. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar. And there he worshipped the Lord again. Everywhere he goes, he builds what? An altar. And what does he do? He worships. And what does he do? He seeks God. And here's what happens. When you and I seek God, this is where he leads us. God first, others second. I'm going to take good care of you. All right, so I've got a minute, and I'm going to take this minute just to kind of share my heart with you, okay? We, um, we're in this series, Say Yes. Uh, on the last Sunday of this month, two weeks from today, the 27th, we'll focus even more on missions. Is God asking you to say yes to missions? Should you go on a missions trip? Should you uh, give to missions? Should you pray for missions? Should you serve uh, here somehow to support missions? Um, Every year we ask you, take this card, fill it out, it's a pledge card. And so here's the way we, we do, and, and this is what Annette and I do. We brought a check this morning, and we put it in the offering plate, and we said this much is tithe, but this much is for missions. And so every time that I get paid, and it's been this way since I was in uh, college, every time that I get paid, a portion of the money that God gives me, I give to missions, okay? I want to help meet basic human need. And I want to share the gospel with people everywhere. And, and, and that's, what, that's the practice that I've done all, all of my life since I was in college. So, so every time I get paid, a portion of my money is going to be given to support basic human need and share the gospel with people, okay? That's the greatest need is Jesus. And so we're going to ask you to do that like we do every year. But we're also going to ask you, on that Sunday, to give a one-time offering. We're asking you not to walk out the doors that day before you give a one-time offering. And I'm asking you to start praying now, God, would you provide an offering that I can give on the 27th? And you're going to hear Doug and Margaret Eaton share some that day. And we're going to talk about a country where people have so little. And, and look at us, we've got so much. And how can I not give some of it, right? And when you hear the fire that God has put in their heart, I believe you're going to leave here that day saying, I want to be a part of what God is doing through them. So here's real transparency. I love this church. I love this room. Did you know that this room, this room is 50 years old this year? It was built in 1969. The seat you're sitting in was put in in 1969. Some of you are saying it feels like it was put here in 1969. And I get that. I get it. I understand it. And it's an awesome asset. And, and, and I don't have to convince you that it probably needs an overhaul, right? It, it's becoming an issue of good stewardship. And I think this room needs renewal. And it's something I think we need to do. And, and as I think about this, this, this would cost some money, right? So should I get up and make a big push for missions? And I think God says, oh yeah. You should receive the biggest offering for missions you've ever received that day. Because that's the right order. It's God first. Others second. And God says, I'll take care of you.
as long as you keep the order right. So when you think about these people in this little African country, and I've been there, and I've watched little kids stand in line in the rain with a bowl waiting for a scoop of rice and maybe a scoop of beans. And I've been given so much. I think God is saying, oh no, you, you keep the order. God first, others second. Haven't always taken care of you, Rick. I'll take care of you. You take care of them. So why don't you stand with me and let me pray for us. Lord, would you forgive us? Forgive us for getting so wrapped up in our lives here that we forget what the rest of the world lives like. Would you forgive us for always wanting more, newer, better? Would you forgive us for getting the order wrong? Would you forgive us for those days when we say, me first? Would you change our hearts, Lord? And would you renew our minds this morning to say, God first, others second. And I'm in good shape because God takes care of me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.